Hi, I'm Tom Marks with the Marks Law Firm in Orlando, Florida, and welcome to the Healthy Family Law Attorney. Today, I'm going to talk about a brief history and an overview of the Collaborative Law Process Act. And in Florida, that's what it's called under Chapter 61.55. So a brief history. Um, collaborative Law started in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, an attorney by the name of Stuart Webb started kind of understanding that in his divorce practice, it was really a lot more about personal relationships and dynamics than it was about the, the law or the legal process. Uh, certainly it still involved the legal process, but it was about husbands and wives or partners who were ending that relationship and it could either be done in a very kind of har harmful or caustic litigation process or it could be done in a more amicable peaceful process and that has become the collaborative law process so 1990 so collaborative law has been around for over 30 years now in florida it's very very new in the sense of the Collaborative Law Process Act was uh, signed into law by Governor Rick Scott in uh, 2016. And then the Florida Supreme Court promulgated the rules around collaborative law in 2017. So I've been practicing collaborative law for over 10 years well before the uh, statute in Florida and the rules in Florida were uh, implemented. And so I've ha I have a lot of experience with it. I wanna share that with you today. Um, I wanna read to you the purpose of the Collaborative Law Process Act or about collaborative law in Florida. And so the, the statute says in chapter 61.55, purpose, it is the policy of this state to encourage the peaceful resolution of disputes and the early resolution of pending litigation through a voluntary settlement process. The collaborative law process is a unique non-adversarial process that preserves a working relationship between the parties and reduces the emotional and financial toll of litigation. Okay, so that's the purpose of the statute in Florida. And I think it's really true. It really reduces conflict and stress and can very much lower the expense of the litigation by not having the litigation. You're in the collaborative process. So it's a voluntary process that started with a collaborative participation agreement that the parties sign that says they're not going to go to court they're going to work it out in the collaborative process with each of them having a collaboratively trained attorney and then also having a neutral financial person so they're called a financial neutral you're also going to have a mental health neutral and that's going to be the team there also can be 
uh, allied professionals brought in that are collaboratively trained, like a real estate professional that's going to come in and help value a business or tell the parties how much it would cost one of them to rent or both to rent or, or so forth. It's a process that can eliminate the need for litigation, so it reduces conflict between the parties. It can be far less expensive than litigation. It's more private because you don't have to file your, your financial affidavits, which have all of your financial information on there, your incomes, your expenses, all your assets, all your liabilities. A lot of people really see that as an advantage in the collaborative process, that they can keep all of that uh, private. In addition, it can keep private the amount that's gonna be paid to one of the spouses, perhaps in alimony or child support. So pe people aren't out there looking at the public records, finding out how much income people are going to be receiving out of a divorce. I can tell you so many positive stories that have come out of my collaborative cases where the husband and wife, although they are gonna go ahead and go through the divorce, it's, it, they work so well together to set the goals that they want for their family, even though they're, they're not gonna be married, they still have children together. So they, they wanna make sure that the children are protected from the divorce process. The children are going to continue in the school that they were in or, or maybe they agreed to a, a private Christian school. Um, they, they want their, their, to be able to be at events with the children together, things like that. They have those common goals. Um, I've seen it where I have even received uh, photos of the other party and the children at Christmas. Even though they weren't my client, they still sent me photos because really the process went that well. I have had uh, former clients who've gone through the collaborative process who invited my wife and I over uh, for a barbecue. I mean, you don't normally see that in the litigation process. You don't see that clients are happy at the end of the process, at least happy about how they preserved the relationship with their children and a good working relationship with their former spouse or partner so that they can uh, raise healthy children and have a, um, a good life dealing with and working with uh, their, their former partner. So you don't, again, see that very often in hotly contested, high conflict uh, divorces. Now, what I did wanna talk about a lot of people ask me, what is the difference between collaborative and mediation? I love mediation too. Mediation is typically done in the litigation process, but it's the parties come to a mediation with their attorneys, or maybe one has an attorney and the other doesn't. Uh, sometimes neither party has an attorney, um, but the mediator helps them come to the middle kind of thing. They they start, let's say at different extremes, it's called position-based bargaining, where they each come with their own position and they fight for what they want. And it's, it can be, mediation can be a little bit um, heightened or contested sometimes, but mediation is a great way 
to settle things without having to go to court. The mediator will tell the parties, look, today is your opportunity to settle the case on the terms that you both can agree upon. It's an opportunity to avoid putting your family's life, assets, timesharing, everything in the hands of some person with a black robe that is gonna have like a very limited amount of time, maybe one day to hear everybody's competing arguments and accusations. And, and then the judge has to make a decision, kind of like the wisdom of Solomon. And I'm gonna say most times I think judges get it right, but sometimes they just don't have enough information. And sometimes the parties aren't really being real enough in front of the court. So it's, it's, um, it's a tough thing for a judge to make that decision. And it's a tough road for the parties to get to that trial because they've got to go through the whole litigation process, all of the pleadings, all of the motions, all of the accusations. There might be depositions. There's requests to produce, interrogatories, requests for admissions, mandatory disclosure. All of that can be avoided in the collaborative process. So another thing I really love about the collaborative process is that the parties, instead of starting at their polar opposite ends of the spectrum kind of thing and fighting toward the middle, they come to the collaborative process and the team helps them navigate the way to setting their goals, which are so often similar, at least with regard to the minor children and oftentimes re uh, regarding finances too. So I would say if you have two parents or parties that can come to the collaborative process and be willing to work with the team and to see the potential for a better way of doing things, then you are a good candidate for collaborative. I will say if you have one of the parents or parties that perhaps has a personality disorder, um, that they're borderline personality, or they're narcissistic, or they're gonna hide assets, or they're just not gonna engage in the process, then they're not gonna be a good candidate for collaborative. And I know there's a lot of people that really try to force that perhaps and make the collaborative work in a situation where the one or maybe both parties are not willing to participate. So, um, that leads me to my next point. Um, one of the negatives that people talk about collaborative that I think can also be a positive is that in the collaborative process, the attorneys must withdraw. The collaborative attorneys cannot go forward. If the collaborative process fails, they're not allowed to go forward with the litigation. There's something called cooperative law, which is a little bit different than collaborative, which does allow the attorneys to go forward. But in the collaborative process, the fact that the attorneys cannot go forward with litigation if the collaborative process fails, make sure that everybody is fully invested in the collaborative process and seeing that succeed. So you want to make sure that you don't have an attorney that's wanting to somehow create an issue that would make it go to litigation. That is resolved 
in the collaborative process because that's not going to happen. All right, one last thing. Uh, ethically, the Florida Supreme Court has said that all family law attorneys must present the collaborative process as an option to their clients when talking to them about anything related to divorce or custody, anything in Chapter 61 or Chapter 742 with regard to paternity. And so that has to be given as an option to the client. Now, unfortunately, not all family law uh, attorneys are collaboratively trained. In fact, uh, the vast majority are not yet collaboratively trained. Um, it's something that is probably going to happen in the future. At some point, hopefully, the vast majority of family law attorneys will be collaboratively trained and will provide um, that as part of their practice. But every family law client needs to hear about collaborative as an option to avoid litigation. If it's in the right circumstances for them, it's a great option. All right, I hope this has been helpful. Thanks so much. Like, subscribe, hit that bell icon. Uh, leave your comments below and I'll see you in the next video. Thanks.